It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's check out and look back. What did we learn this week? You first, Dan. All right. Well, I think we talked after the Seahawks game that we're seeing a brand of defense that is uh, refreshing, that is familiar from some of the glory days of the 21st century, that we're seeing a defense that has an ability to fly around, ability to respond to Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams' demands for how they want to play football. Encouraging signs here, right? And we saw that in the Seattle game. We saw it in the Chiefs game. We talked about it on the last podcast. The Bears went 17 consecutive possessions through spans of both of those games in which they didn't give up a point. That's a victory for Matt Eberflus, for Alan Williams, and the guys that are playing for them because they're obviously uh, you know, gelling together pretty nicely. And with a couple weeks until the regular season begins, it's nice to see that momentum built. That's a good one. I am going to go a different direction. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. And you referenced my Vegas trip. I didn't get a chance to... <laughs> to to watch every snap as closely as I would have wanted. There were reasons I barely, I think I remember what they were, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so I get back today and I had an opportunity after the Mullen Haw show this morning to watch part of the game again that I really wanted to watch. And I zeroed in on Tevin Jenkins. And I think that, again, I want to be cautious this preseason. I don't want to contradict myself saying it means nothing and very little and then overstate things like Ryan, about Ryan Poles or Tevin Jenkins. But th- I'll say this. I came into this training camp thinking Tevin Jenkins was more of a liability to the Bears and maybe an albatross as a, uh, a high pick from the previous regime that they didn't know what to do with or how to coach. I am left after Thursday night and last week wondering – if this may be, I don't want to call it a stroke of genius, but really a good use of your resources, a reallocation of your resources with your offensive line. Tevin Jenkins represented himself pretty well upon further review for playing a new position for a guy that I think you sort of pigeonholed as this big burly tackle and had to you know protect the blind side. I liked what I saw, Dan, and I think that for a team in development, as much as I like the experience that Schofield and maybe Reef offer, Reef is a different story, but let's talk about Schofield. I like Tevin Jenkins at right guard. I want to see where that goes. And what I learned last week is that that's not the worst idea, that, or as bad of an idea as I thought it would be, the fact that he might start at right guard alongside whoever at center. I like Tevin Jenkins at right guard. Hey, guys. So I'll jump in here as well. So the thing that I've learned, I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball like David. I think that I learned, especially in that the last several days watching the 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 the, the win against Seattle, I learned that Luke Getzey understands that his offensive line isn't going to be good and is adjusting his offense accordingly. We saw the first play from scrimmage against Seattle was a screen to, to Cole Komet. We saw Justin Fields get on the move a lot. I think we're going to see that a ton if it, having an effective screen game would be something we haven't seen in Chicago since like ever, I don't think in my entire lifetime, ever. that would be that. Yeah. It would be really nice to see. And so I think that Luke gets, understands how to build his offense around having a bad offensive line. And he said in his introductory press conference that this offense is going to be based on 
they're not going to know what the offense is until we know what our strengths and weaknesses are. They know a weakness is going to be the offensive line, but they think they have a strength in, in a guy like Cole Komet and Justin Fields who throws well on the move. So they're designing their offense accordingly. That's a good one, Studs. I, I like that because Getze has made an immediate impact. We don't know until he calls a game for real, but I think that he has connected and it's obvious both at the podium and on the field what we're seeing here. Yeah, it's a good segue, guys. Without question, this has been a training camp for the offense that has been defined by inconsistency, that has had frustration, that has had a lack of productivity that is concerning when you're trying to get Justin Fields' career arc pointed in the right direction. One of the things this coaching staff, Luke Getze and quarterbacks coach Andrew Dinoco, are trying to work with Justin on is establishing pocket presence, right? Understanding the pocket feel of the NFL game, understanding what it looks like. As an extension of that, we had a chance to speak with the assistant coaches last week. And one of the things I asked Andrew Dinoco was about the concept of, of getting that pocket feel here. Here's some of that exchange. What are the challenges for a young quarterback at this level to have a feel for climbing and, and, and sort of being able to coach that into a guy? Um, you know, really, I think it's just it's just a feel, and it's an experience as you gain experience. Um, you know, as you gain experience, as you gain um, reps, live reps, where you're actually getting hit and stuff. That's that's something that, that you can improve upon as you go, and it's something that we're going to constantly teach, focus on, and and understand that he also has a, a special ability to do stuff above that. So, so it's it's building that balance between. You know, staying in progression, trusting you know when the receivers are going to come open, feeling the windows, and then when he has to get out and, and do something above the X's and O's. When you guys talk about listening to his feet uh, in terms of timing, explain like what that means. Just you know, as far as what are your feet telling you where I need to go with the ball? How are my feet aligned? Are my feet you know going taking me to the target? Are my feet getting my shoulders to the target? And then you know, as the down progresses, as we get later in the in the shot clock. Um, you know, how many hitches am I on? And depending on the play, every play is different. Every expectation of the play is different. Every action is different. So how are my feet telling me when it's time to move on, when it's time to climb in the pocket, and then are my feet are my feet pitter-pattering and am I too late for a throw? And if that's the case, then i, I got to move on. I'm going to either check the ball down or, or take off. David, this is some micro-focused stuff with big-picture significance for the Chicago Bears offense and their franchise quarterback. This is what we need to keep our, our lens dialed in on in the month of September and into October is whether Justin is developing this field, this understanding of what plays call for from him when he uses his strengths to his, his advantage, when he needs to, to pull the reins back and let a play be the play, right? And this is going to be something that takes time, experience, feel within this system to get going. Let's see what Justin can do with it. Okay, let me play devil's advocate or let me play the Grabowski in the room. Ask the question that I think comes up naturally. Why is what Andrew Janoko said about Justin Fields any different than the technical stuff we heard last year from John Filippo, who also was respected at his job in the league, maybe a little bit more well-traveled, but why do you think that the approach to the specifics and the, the attention to detail will be any different this time around or means more this season? Uh, well, I don't know that it'll be any different. I don't know that it means more. I think this is just the next set of demands on Justin's plate to go from being a rookie quarterback who lost his last seven starts and, and, and you know, turned the ball off over more often than he threw touchdown passes, right? If you want to take 
that stair-step approach to becoming an elite quarterback in this league where you've got to start at the bottom of the staircase and take each step one at a time. One of these steps is learning how to operate from the pocket with a comfort level and an understanding of, of as, as Janoko put it in that clip, where the shot clock is at for that play, right? And, and, and what does the protection look like in front of you? And how can you get all of those things in sync so that your offense remains in sync? As we know, for for predating Justin Fields, the Matt Nagy offense was not in sync nearly enough, right? If an offense is not in sync, your whole day is ruined, right? And so that is the next step in getting this offense in sync is getting your young quarterback to understand what it takes to get in sync. Along those lines in closing on this segment, I think I'm curious what you uh, have, have noticed about this. Andrew Janoko, Luke Getze, they have a shared, they have some commonalities in their past. They they both are Dave Wanstead guys, for goodness sake. But I think <laughs> beyond that, I wonder how those connections, that shared past, that history, does that affect at all their ability to, to collaborate, if you will, to work together in sync to get the most out of Justin Fields and the other quarterbacks? I mean, I think it just creates a, a trust, right? That that is needed when you're when you're going through this process. And we talked last week about how Justin certainly seems to be trusting of this regime. Certainly has some high things to say about Luke Getzey. Now they haven't played any games yet. They haven't lost three in a row. When those storms start to shake the boat a little bit, it'll be interesting to see does the, does the trust shake at all, right? And that's when things get really ugly with young quarterbacks is when they lose trust in their offensive line, lose trust in their their play caller, or lose trust in both, right? Then it's all off the rails, and we know what it looks like when it's off the rails in Chicago.